back to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is our family's latest crochet hooker and traveling <laughs> bard, Alex. Hi, Alex. Traveling bard has not left the house properly in like four days, I think. Wow. That kind of uh, cancels or disqualifies you as a bard, I think, if you're not traveling. Sorry. You're fired. <laughs> well, COVID darkened my door. I didn't have it, but I was in contact, so I've been in quarantine. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've been feralized, basically. Like, I haven't had contact with other humans. So you're kind of like Mowgli with a laptop, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I look <laughs> like it, too. <laughs> Count your blessings. How are you? It's been forever. I feel like you had you had the cursed the cursed plague and and you were on holiday and yeah. and then <laughs> like things have happened after evading this uh stupid virus for like 3 years cuz we don't go anywhere. We kind of stay at home. We just go out a little bit on the weekends. But we don't go into like big crowded places and stuff. We didn't get it for this whole time. It's the real podcaster life. So yeah, we thought it's been three years, things look safe, enough people have got the vaccine, it don't look so bad anymore. Let's go on vacation. We went to Aruba, had a great time. Uh, And the minute we got back, we got the COVIDs. I think like COVID has really not, nothing's changed. We're still having waves and we're still having like mad cases. It's just that it's not interesting anymore. It's old news. It's like so boring to hear all about these people dying. Dying. So boring. It's not interesting enough. So lame. Thankfully, we got a really mild version of it. I think we caught it on the plane. Um, Although we wore masks and everything, you know, you're you're still in in a tin can with like 200 people. You're breathing the same air. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it there. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, well, I had a nice vacation. It was really nice. Aruba was warm and sunny and hot and beautiful, clean and a really nice place. Very, very expensive, I must add. Because everything's imported. It's a desert. The island is actually a desert climate. So they have to import every single thing. And so, yeah, that kind of trickles down to the tourists. And damn, I wanted my daughter to have uh, fresh coconut water. Like, And I got to tell you. My entire line of ancestors were probably crying tears as I paid $10 of <gasps> coconut. Oh, no. <laughs> you could have that experience. $10 of coconut. No. Oh, my God. Do coconuts even grow in Aruba? In any case, $10 of coconut. That's a bit it's much. Nuts. That's more than like a coffee. And I'm sure you import every single part of what goes in a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah seriously i don't think we've talked since i was in brazil speaking of coffee oh yeah how was brazil it was amazing i drank all of the juices Mm. um i did notice one thing yeah there are no indian people in brazil like none (gasps) this is your chance alex (laughs) no but i think i know why why (laughs) because like an indian moving to brazil would be kind of a lateral move like economically in terms of opportunities in terms of like climate i don't know they'd be like this is just like back home why did i come like here? i i don't need to be in brazil <laughs> why am i here 
It's the same thing. Music, food, dance, hot weather, beaches. I could just be back home in India. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a totally different like fruit, vegetable, juice game than in India, but with mm. a lot of similarities. And just speaking of coconuts, like, yeah, coconuts everywhere. They don't cost $10. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I, w- I thought it was really interesting because I've never been to a country that had so few Indians before. This is your chance, Alex. If you want to be like a unicorn, you want to be like special, now's the time. Move there and be like, I'm the resident Indian in this country. Okay. Except, you know, they were calling me a gringa in Brazil. Oh, boy. And my friend was like, we have to be careful. The gringa is here. They're going to rob her. They're going to steal from her. It was really weird for me because, yeah, in India, I'm a gringa too. Like, I guess I'm a gringa. You should be like, just give me half a day in the sun. I'll blend right in. And that's the thing. is like I'm browner than most of the people in the country, but it doesn't have to do with skin color. But I, I kind of wonder how Indian Indians would do in Brazil. Are they mm. also gringos? Just no, because you're not so. Brazilian, you're not, you're a gringo? Because there's this thing of like, if you're not used to Brazil, you have to like know how to be aware. Mm. So when we were at Carnival, we had to turn off our like, even on our phones, delete all of the bank apps, turn off like um, Apple Wallet, whatever payment apps. Don't bring any cards out. Like You have to be on freaking high alert. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I wish I could go to Brazil sometime. It sounds like an amazing place. I'd just be like visiting their forests and eating all the amazing food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the juices, man. I had... um. It wasn't my favorite juice, but I thought it was the most interesting. It was cashew juice. Hmm. Like the cashew nut? So the nut actually grows from a fruit that they call the cashew apple. So it was a juice from the cashew apple. Far as I remember, you don't eat that fruit because it is very acidic. And even if you touch the juice that comes out of the cashew apple, like your hands will burn. Like it's very corrosive. And you have to cook the nut, too, because it's toxic unless you cook it. So I don't know how they prepare it. But I also learned that there's like a variety of cassava, manioc, yeah, in Brazil that unless you cook it properly, it's full of cyanide and you will die eating it. So <laughs> everything's like potentially delicious, potentially deadly. Might kill you, but it's very delicious. <laughs> yeah. I guess that those kinds of foods might be like colonizer safe. Definitely. That's why you don't find cashew juice everywhere in the world, I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking about traveling and seeing all these exciting new places, uh, today we're going to travel a little bit too. We're not doing a case from India. Our last case was actually not even in India. It was in Florida, the flown away case. So let's take our little boat off the shores of Florida. Let's uh, row way past Guyana. Oh, can we sail, please? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be killer of the arms. You know what? Let's just go underwater. It's a submarine. It's supersonic. We just have to press a button and... Under the sea. Under the sea. We reach from point A to point B. Where are we going? It's an eastbound journey to the azure waters and sandy beaches of Sri Lanka. Ah. And the last time we did a Sri Lankan case, it was more of a, you know, case of elopement. 
That was the 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 goof em up with the football league, right? Vanishing handball team. That was funny. Today's case, however, is a stark contrast to that one. It is a violent crime. Ooh. It is quite grievous. So trigger warning right now. There's going to be, you know, descriptions of all the horrors that we encounter in this case. This crime wiped out an entire family of six over a land dispute. So before we embark on the details of the crime, let's rejoice over all the things wonderful that you might find in Sri Lanka. Like we always do, we explore the place. All right, so Sri Lanka, fondly called the Pearl of the Indian Ocean or also the Teardrop of India, is a culturally rich land with the most gorgeous biodiverse green hills like the sacred Sri Pada Mountain and sandy beaches. Like, uh, I think Candy or Kandi is a beach, right? Yeah. Blessed with a sparkly crust, Sri Lanka is famous for locally mined gemstones as well. Here's something pretty amazing. Sirimavo Bandarnaike became the world's first female prime minister of a country in 1960. So she was the first in the whole world. Wow. Sri Lanka was like, we're going to make a woman our prime minister. Take that first world country right and no one even in the first world giant quotation marks even probably knows that yeah i mean america still hasn't had a female president so okay the lion motif of the sri lankan flag dates back to like 160 bc or so this number is very different in like different articles i read but whatever just think about it as really 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 old okay Although Guinness record says that Denmark has the oldest flag from the 1600s. So the exact flag that they use has been in use since the 1600s. Okay. It's just red and white, two crosses. It's not exactly that interesting or it took that much time to come up with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a freaking lion on it. And speaking of the Dutch, Sri Lanka was colonized for about 500 years First came the Portugal invaders. Mm-hmm. The Sri Lankan king, Raja Singe, he made a pact with the Dutch who were in the area. As usual, you know, the Dutch had been exploring the world way before the Brits, trying to gather resources and colonize and steal and plunder and whatnot. Yeah. We talk a lot about the British and we don't always focus on the Dutch, but they've been doing it just as long and just as bad. <laughs> Can we say devils? They're all the same. So the Sri Lankan king made a pact with the Dutch to defeat the Portuguese, which they did. But then, haha, psych, the Dutch refused to leave and they colonized the country for 150 years. Damn. So that's God damn sneaky. it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> what a shitty move. And from what we've seen so far, wherever the Dutch went, picking up their crumbs, came the Brits. So the British came to steal and monopolize all the spices, gems, and tea that made Sri Lanka such a rich country back in the day. So by the way, just like India has black pepper, Sri Lanka has her own native spice that the world goes cuckoo for. And that is cinnamon. Mm. So anyone enjoying their cinnamon dolce lattes or whatnot, and even your chai spice, you're enjoying one of Sri Lanka's finest products. So it, like, originates from Sri Lanka. Cinnamon. A certain variety, like okay. the best-tasting variety. So India also has native cinnamon species. Makes sense. So that area in general, India, Sri Lanka, are where cinnamon originated. They've actually been trading cinnamon with Egyptians more than 2,000 years ago. 
it makes sense. I feel like a lot of food from that region, like the formerly Mesopotamian area of the world, yeah. they use a lot of cinnamon, but they don't have the climate for it. So uh-uh. cool. It helps to feel a part of one big world if you try to trace back where everything comes from. Totally. Yeah. Then you're like, hey, we're just all up in each other's business anyway. You know, mm-hmm. why fight? Just let's be friends, everyone. Let's get along, y'all. Okay. Y'all know we love nature here at Crimes from the East, so let's conclude out our Sri Lankan trivia with this sweet factoid. The world's oldest human-planted tree called the Jayashri Mahabodhi is a fig tree planted by King Devanampiya Tissa 2,300 years ago in Anuradhapura, Sri Lanka. It was propagated from the original Bodhi tree in Gaya, India, under which Gautam Buddha attained enlightenment. Whoa, that's so cool. I want to go see that. If I ever go to Sri Lanka, this is the first place I would head to. Like a tree that's 2,300 years old. I'm totally here for tree tourism. I want to see all the weird trees, big trees, old trees, fat trees, tall trees. We've all got consciousness and we can connect on that plane. Just try to get some positivity out of nature. <laughs> cool. Well, now we all know more about Sri Lanka. And <laughs> yeah. um, we got to know Sri Lanka a little bit. And I hope someone, at least one person, goes and visits the country as a result. Okay, so let's talk about this very grievous crime we're gonna have to shift our mood a little bit all right let's start with the crime scene at hokandara and just fyi i know i haven't said it so far i'm gonna name this story the hokandara horror okay so here's the crime scene at the hokandara horror the horrific most heinous hokandara murders took place in the town of hokandara sri lanka which is a suburb of capital city colombo Hokandara is a serene town with lots of green paddy fields and narrow roads that connect to the big city. And in February of 1999, a couple, their three daughters and son, were killed in the most violent and unforgiving manner by killers who thought that they had all the power in the world. Trigger warning, description of murder scene, injuries, and sexual assault. This story bubbles out of a silent villain which is moonshine Hmm. and it's very casually mentioned in just one article out of dozens that i read on the case illicit home-brewed liquor is very popular in lower income groups all over south asia southeast asia asia and even africa it's extremely dangerous and has proven fatal for thousands of people over the last few decades Backyard brewers make good money selling cheaply and often chemically compromised liquors that make people blind drunk and sometimes literally blind from methanol poisoning. It's crazy. The business naturally attracts unsavory characters and criminal gangs will aggressively control all aspects of the business. So one such criminal gang, one such goon is responsible for the tragedy that we will hear about today. February 10th, 1999, around 8.30 p.m. The Talangama police station received a telephone call from a person called Chandragupta, who frantically told him something horrible had happened at the home of a person named Lalan Dasa. He had heard this from one of the family's neighbors, who had heard dogs barking nonstop near the home. Cops rushed to the area, but it took them a few hours to find the right home. What were we saying? 
I don't know. I was just going to say that's also how I know that my neighbor's home or not, is if I can hear the dog barking. <laughs> so see, these are all social cues that, you know, you kind of lose touch of in the city because it's just noisy all the time. You're not paying attention. But in small places, people mm -hmm. people are paying attention like, oh, dogs are barking. Something must be wrong. <laughs> so Inspector Suravira finally did arrive at 11 p.m. at the family home of Lalandas at Amargoda Road in Hokandara. On arrival, they spotted a woman and her young child running out the gates. They caught them and questioned them about what was going on and what they were doing inside the home. She said she had gone in to check on the family and had seen a ghastly scene of death. In fact, quite a few villagers had gone in and out of the home by then, in the last hour or so. Just trying to find out what's going on in the home. The single-family home was built in the typical rural Sri Lankan style with a thatched and shingled roof with acres of land around the home, lush with tall trees and shrubs. A grisly scene, devoid of all hope, awaited the inspector as he entered the home through the back door. A single light bulb was turned on as he stepped inside. He was confronted with a large wooden box that would typically be used to store paddy and fodder. On opening the lid of the box, he discovered the body of 56-year-old Wittanage Lalandasa in an upright sitting position. What? Like cross-legged? Yeah. <gasps> he was viciously killed by strangulation with the ligature that was coiled tightly around his neck. His arms and legs were tied up with coconut coir rope. He had been beaten up as well. Not only did they beat him up, but they shoved him in, into a box to, like, to suffocate and die. So they put him in the box in the seated position, like a meditative... Is that just like the only way he would fit in the box? Okay. I think so. I think that's just how he would fit in that. It's a tiny box to store patty, like whatever yeah. they feed the animals. I don't know what they do with it, but... Yeah, it was just a box for grains, and they shoved him in there. In a corridor adjoining the back room, Inspector Suravira found the bodies of Lalandasa's wife, 47-year-old Siryavati, and 29-year-old daughter Chandra Priyangani, lying deceased on the floor. Their bodies were covered in blood. Their necks had been slashed, and they had died due to catastrophic blood loss. They had both been hit with something too. A blood-soaked crowbar was eerily leaning against the wall, silently acknowledging its guilt in this atrocity. From the door hinge of a room ahead hung the body of the other daughter, 23-year-old Chitra Dayangini. Her hands were bound behind her, her legs slumped on the floor. She had been asphyxiated by hanging. Chitra had been raped, multiple times and had both external and internal injuries in line with such assaults. Next to her, he found a used condom, a packet of cigarettes and ashes as if someone had taken their time in the home, executing each vile step at their own pace. There was no hurry. <laughs> Inspector Suravira proceeded to the back of the home where the detached bathroom was located detached bathroom like a building a separate building behind the home like an outhouse basically mm -hmm. behind the small building he found the body of the third daughter Nayana Damayanti her neck had also been slashed 
Curiously, though, her body was covered up with leaves from the areca nut or supari tree. This is the only body that was covered or, tr or someone tried to conceal it. And that's because it was outside. All the other bodies are inside the home and they were just left willy-nilly. You know, you're going to walk into it. It wasn't out of some sense of remorse or like shame or... There was no remorse or regret. It was just to conceal the crime. There was no sense of humanity. It was just to hide it. Yeah. Yeah, to buy time. I am not sure if I found the exact age of Nayana Damianti, but she was the youngest. So she was probably either like 20 years old or younger. Okay. At this point. Now, by this time, backup had arrived and the constables all searched the grounds for more clues. The neighbors told them to look for the son Nishanka as he was missing from the scene. So this family, everyone but the son is deceased. And after a brief search at 3 a.m., about 30 meters from the Lalandasa home, the body of Nishanka was found lying nestled between coconut trees that had once shaded him as a child. They now watched over his remains. His neck had been slashed and he had signs of blunt force trauma all over his body. His clothes were covered in a mixture of blood and mud. A bloody kitul was also found next to him. A thick, sturdy stick or branch which is used to harvest the fruits from the trees. Mm. Okay. And it appeared that he had put up quite a fight for his life, yet somehow he had suffered the same fate as the rest of his family. How could he have been physically fighting and wrestling with his attacker and then have his neck slashed like that, right? Like, yeah, he would have a lot more other slashes if you were fighting with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, someone would have had to come up behind him. To the surprise of the police, a seventh person was found a few meters away from Nishanka. It was the family's neighbor, Amardas. He was gravely wounded and allegedly confessed to the police that he had carried out these attacks because of a land dispute. Not personally, but he had ordered these attacks. Wait, so wait. They found this guy nearby. He was alive? Mm -hmm. He was gravely wounded, but he confessed. Okay, interesting. He, I guess he knew he was dying and he wanted to say his piece or whatever. I don't know. They asked him, what's going on? What's all these murders around in the home? And he allegedly confessed that he had ordered the murders. Okay, that allegedly makes it all a big question mark. Now, Amardasa soon passed away at the Colombo Hospital, so they couldn't okay. question him any further about what was going on. Can't follow up on that confession, exactly. Now, Lalandasa was a well-to-do farmer. He owned a lot of valuable land in Hokandara. His wife was an industrious homemaker who raised four children and made sure that they were all well-educated. The eldest daughter, Chandra, was studying to become a chartered accountant and working as an accounts clerk at a publishing company nearby. The son, Nishanka, was a technician in a private company. Chitra was an undergraduate student, and the youngest, Nayana, was enrolled in an accountancy course. So it seems like the family really valued education, and they were vying to build successful careers. Incidentally, I just wanted to mention, like, Sri Lanka is really good with literacy. They do value education a lot, so it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Overnight, this family wiped out one by one, slash by brutal slash. This family was wiped out. 
more than wiped out. They were just obliterated, basically. Who and why? These were the burning questions raging in the minds of the police and the rest of Sri Lanka as well, because news of this horror spread across the country. The locals, though, seemed to know a lot more than they were willing to talk about. And this is usually the case in small towns or villages. Man, but this scene, it's like, as you said, someone took their time and it was about inflicting as much suffering as possible. So police found that a case of harassment had been filed by the Lalandasa family against their now deceased neighbor, Amar Dasa, the man who confessed. Mm-hmm. His 17-year-old son, Gayan Suranga, their 19-year-old employee, Sanjeeva, also known as Ukua, and two of the son's friends, 25-year-old Nandana and 21-year-old Mahinda. All of these men were allegedly part of a criminal illicit liquor gang, and they were known to be violent around town. So, you know, gundas, the local gundas, basically, in the village. The Lalandasa family had confronted Amardasa and his men who were known to brew illicit moonshine, known as Kasipu, in a nearby paddy field. And they stored it in a shed belonging to the victims, threatening them to stay mum about it. Okay. The problem arose when they started storing it in a shed that belonged to Lalandas on his land. Because even if the cops come to search them, cops know this family and these guys are notorious. They're not going to search Lalandasa's property. Or if they find it on Lalandasa's property somehow, then it's not necessarily tied to the, the, the Gunda guys. Which is why they were kind of asserting themselves and just being aggressive and violent and just kind of like, what are you going to do about it? You know, we'll do what we want. Who cares if it's your shed and your land? Right. Like, that's the kind of power they held in the village at that time. In fact, on the day of the murders, Feb 10th, Lalandasa's wife, Siriyavati, and their daughter, Chandra Priyangani, were present at the local magistrate's court as witnesses in the same harassment case. They had filed many cases, called the cops multiple times, and they had actually gone to court. The day that they were murdered. Yeah, for like a hearing on on that case. So this is like a neighborly feud that had gone bad very 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 bad it's all very obvious too i mean so far it doesn't seem very mysterious seems everything is pretty out in the open obvious motive is there timeline is a little almost a little too convenient they go for the court case and then by the end of the day they're dead it's like this gave the police a solid lead to follow and they went in search of the accused harassers at once In a swift move, they caught the three men a mile away from the crime scene the very next day. Amardasa's son, Gayan, was missing. He had gone into hiding and he couldn't be located for a very long time. The police began interrogating these three guys with full force and it didn't take too long for them to break and start talking. So Nandana told them all about this gold jewelry that they had stolen from Lalandasa's home and off of the deceased victim's bodies. They said that Amardasa's wife had taken the gold at first, but then just before the police arrived, she had given it to them to hide. So the boss's wife had taken the gold that they had stolen 
Why are they mentioning this about the gold? It seems like they're already in a lot of trouble. They just could not mention the gold. And <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to like tell the cops there's gold. If you let us go, oh. you can have it. <laughs> Very possible. It happens a lot of times when the cops like um, find stolen property. It's mysteriously like not the same amount that was lost. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we found some of it. You lost a million. We found like 200,000. So <laughs> be happy you got anything. Right. Exactly. Well, the cops did indeed find gold rings in the pockets of the suspects. They were carrying they it yeah, in their okay. goddamn pockets. They're just dumb as hell. Maybe that's why they had, because the cops searched them, found the gold rings, and they had to say, oh, we stole it. I don't know. They also found gold bangles, necklaces, pendants with the names of Chandra and the letter C engraved on a bunch of them. Now, Chitra had been in a relationship with a local man, and he identified some of the gold jewelry as the gifts that he had given to her. So he was able to Aww. say, I gave her this, like for her birthday or whatever. It had the letter C on it. That's kind of sad. It is really sad. Now comes this new character who's kind of like the star of the show in some ways and then total buddhu in others. This is our man, Jaunty. So here's Jaunty's tale. Jaunty. An important witness joins the investigation because people talk. And I'm sure all these guys talk too because they seem to not really be withholding anything. Right. They don't sound super smart, do they? A young man named Jayanta, or Jaunty, was named by the suspects as having been on the scene as well. Now, Jaunty was a close family friend of Amardasa's 17-year-old son, Gayan Suranga. They had been childhood friends, and Jaunty would often ac accompany the Amardasa family on vacations and trips. What a leech, what a hanger-on, like every single trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like not, it's not like two families going on holiday together. No, no, it's no. like the random kid, uh, your son's random friend who's just always there. I bet he was always there for lunch too, you know. Now, Jaunty was singing like a canary about all the terrible things that he witnessed the day before. And somehow he did nothing to stop them or report them. Buddha award right away. Just give this man one right now. Yeah. I'm telling you. Well, like, why, why is he singing if he didn't come to the police to report or try? Yeah. Let's see. He is 17 years old. So, you know, you're usually yeah. a little dum-dum in the head till at least 25 years of age. So I mean, we'll give him a little yeah. benefit of the doubt. But yeah. I'm still giving him a Buddha award. At 2 p.m., Jaunty said that he had met Guyan near a local salon. You know, the barber shops you see mm -hmm. in America are a place more of like social interaction, a community center. Everyone gets there and along with a haircut, you chit, chat, talk, you make friends and... Exchange news, yeah. Gossip, blah, blah, whatever. Now, Guyan had a pack of cigarettes with him at that time, which must have been exciting for 17-year-olds. Sure. And this was the same cigarette brand that was found at the crime scene. He then asked Jaunty if he would accompany him on a secret mission. He had borrowed a boy's bicycle and the two of them sat on that and they rode to the Lalandasa home. There Jaunty saw the deceased bodies of the father Lalandas and the youngest daughter Nana. He saw these two people lying deceased. 
He saw the three other men walking around the home, looking for valuables, ransacking, taking whatever they want. Obviously, he knew something was wrong. This is not right. Yeah, yeah. He did nothing. He said nothing. Sketchy. Gayan handed the pack of cigarettes to Ukua, or Sanjeeva, the one of the gundas. They left, taking the bicycle back to the boy at the salon. So the whole secret mission was just to deliver cigarettes to Ukua, who was ransacking the home. Ukua is the, the head honcho, right? Yeah, he's the, okay. he's the gunda, basically. So Amardasa's main gunda is Ukua. Okay. The neighbor? The neighbor is Amardasa, and he has these three goons. Okay, yeah, sorry. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I know, the names are confusing, but... Yeah, the gist of the story is Amardasa is the man who lives next to Lalandasa. He's the he's the boss. And he's the one who died on the scene. Okay. And Ukua is one of the cronies, the henchmen. He has three cronies who are doing all the dirty work for him. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. And his son is kind of keeping an eye on them. So to Right. Speak. And this friend of the son just shows up while evil chaos is unfolding and he's just like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, he's like, whoa, I got nothing else to do, I guess. I'll just uh, watch this unfold. They took the bicycle back to the salon, and there they met a couple of other friends. Suddenly, they all made a plan to go for a swim at a nearby lake. I mean, what a life. (laughs) What kind of a beautiful life is this, right? Like, oh, we're bored. Let's go swim in a lake. So off they went and frolicked in the lake as two people lay dead in the Lalandasa home. Then, Jaunty and Gayan went to have a quick lunch at a friend's home. A friend called Paranavittana. How could... Just how do you go swimming and go for lunch after seeing two bodies? Unless you're like totally used to seeing that. Unless that's like a a normal freaking Friday morning for you. I don't know what day it is in this story, but... How can they eat knowing what they know, right? Like having seen what they saw, how can you eat? Is Jaunty asking any questions also? Is he like, so what's going, what, what, what's this all about? Maybe he only cares if they're going somewhere later. He's like, are you going to Colombo? I'll come with you. Yeah. These are 17-year-olds after all, right? They're not little children, but there is an immaturity that perhaps assists them in indulging in complete denial. Or was this just a clever means to establishing an alibi? Right? Doing all these weird things with other people in the community, going for a swim somewhere mm-hmm. else with like three other guys, going for lunch at someone else's home. They're making sure they have an alibi. Mm, yeah, okay. Not so much Jaunty, because he wasn't even involved in this, but at least in terms of Guyan, it's like establishing an alibi. Yeah, he was there. He saw the bodies. But, you know, we went for a swim. We had lunch. You know, we just didn't eat. We just ignored the, 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 the you know, bodies. Not our, not our business. We're not nosy. I don't know. It's so stupid. So this was at 2 p.m. when they made their first trip to the home and saw the horrors. Now, at 3.30 p.m., they returned to the crime scene and saw that the mother, Siryavati, and daughter, Chandra, were now lying deceased in the corridor. <gasps> They mm-hmm. had been killed just as they had come back from the court hearing on the harassment case. Yeah. Wait, so was the father and the other daughter already dead? They were home when these gundas, these goons came over. So they killed them first and they waited. 
They waited till the mother and the other daughter came home, killed them too. And they're still waiting because there's okay. more people left. Yeah. Jaunty and Gayan soon left the murderous scene and went back to the latter's home next door. So they went to Gayan's home. There they met Gayan's father, Amardasa. Jaunty heard Gayan tell Amardasa all about the murders, which didn't seem to phase or shock him at all, as if he had known about them all along, perhaps even ordered the murders himself. Mm-hmm. Amardasa then instructed Gayan to stay with Jaunty all day and to go stay at his home at night. The two teenagers then left, heading to the school sports ground. Jaunty joined other youngsters in a game of cricket while Gayan just walked around town. Yeah, this is all sounding like very convenient for Gayan. Yeah, it's it's definitely to establish his alibi, like so that there's no shadow of a doubt cast on him at Mm -hmm. all. Like Mm -hmm. no one even takes his name. Like he may have done this. So at 6 p.m., Gayan returned and asked Jaunty to come home with him one last time. <laughs> I'm like, why does he keep asking? Why does he keep going back? Why do you keep going back to the place where there are dead bodies? Why does he keep asking Jaunty to accompany him? Because Jaunty is his babysitter for the day. I mean, I get that they're probably really good friends. Like, they're bros, but... I don't get it. I don't get it. They went to the crime scene for a third time. Jesus. When they entered the home... The grisly sight had gone from bad to worse. Oh no, it's going to get worse. As Jaunty stood near the doorframe of the living room, he saw that Chitra had been tied to a bed. So now this is the third daughter. Yeah. Her hands bound tightly and her mouth was gagged with a cloth. The three men, Ukua, Nandana and Mahinda, were taking turns raping her. Chitra was alive at this time. Jaunty stood frozen in fear and shock. As soon as Mahinda had finished, Gayan, his friend who was by his side, rushed to the bed and excitedly declared that he too wanted a turn. Jaunty somehow finally found his legs and he ran to the back of the house in a bid to leave the scene. He was filled with panic. Just as he reached the back door, he saw Amardasa himself walking over to the home, perhaps coming to see what was taking his idiot goons this long to commit a few murders, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Jaunty stumbled back into the living room and warned Gayan that his dad was coming. So the two of them then ran out the front door of the home and headed to the city center, which was busy at this time of the evening. Now, I thought about this a little bit. Clearly, your dad knows what's going on. You've already told him at like 3.30 that you've seen the murders and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. why was he now running from his dad, right? Like, it's not like he and his dad haven't spoken about it. Why was he running away? And I think it's because his dad specifically told him to be away from the scene. He told him, don't come here. Mm -hmm. Don't come around here. You stay away from here. You, You go stay with Jaunty, right? So he wasn't supposed to be at the crime scene. But somehow he couldn't control his curiosity and he just kept coming back for some stupid reason. I don't know why. Maybe he was attracted to the crime, to the whole violence of it all, right? Like he's not as innocent as as you would think. Well, yeah, clearly if he wanted to quote unquote have a turn. Disgusting. 
which I think might be another reason why he ran because maybe it was, a, you know, supposed to be a, just like murder them and go and this rape scene was not part of the like ordered and specified plan and the father is not going to somehow maybe approve of his son doing that in addition to being somewhere he's not supposed to be yeah but maybe Gayan also he is attracted not even to the crime itself but to this you know image of being a gunda a rebel being you know, a rebel, a gunda. Showing Jaunty, like, what a badass he is and how he's hardcore. And, you know, he wants to be... Notorious. A, notorious, yeah, exactly. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's just a sadistic asshole like these other guys. Maybe these are his role models. He's happy to indulge and mm-hmm. learn from these criminals. Anyway, these two young men, these two guys, they ran away. They went to the city center. And there they met their old lake swimming friend, Paranavittana, who asked Jaunty if it was true what Gayan had told him. Were people killed at the Lalandasa home by Ukua? Well, apparently Gayan had loose lips. Jeez. He definitely wants like some sort of cred, street cred. I don't think he understands the the severity of what's going on like to him this is just like some tv show like he's watching and he's like telling everyone he doesn't understand the severity of the issue at no point during this day of death did jaunty see or meet with the lalandasa son nishanka Work colleagues confirmed that Nishanka had left work at around 8 p.m. So all of this was taking place at 2, 3.30 and 6 p.m. Yeah. Nishanka was at work till 8. So nobody knows what exactly conspired out there among the coconut grove that separated a lot more than the homes of Lalandasa and Amardasa, right? Mm. The Sri Lankan police has a theory that Nishanka probably arrived home and saw the carnage. Amardasa and his gang may have been either lying in wait for Nishanka, but he put up quite a battle for his life, or he may have struck Amardasa with the stick and then the henchman Ukua came to his boss's rescue with the axe in hand. Whatever be the case, they didn't really confess to Nishanka's murder. For some reason, they spoke about all the other murders they committed, but not Nishanka's. I don't know why. So police had to speculate what may have happened. Maybe, like, they had left, Nishanka arrived, Amardasa is like, oh shit, gotta take care of the last one. Maybe he had sent his goons off because he was mad at them for what they did. Yeah. Pure speculation, but I'm just trying to imagine the scene. So, like, it was Amardasa who, who did, did it. kill him. Maybe, But no one else was around for it at that point. Yeah, possible. That is possible. All of this testimony by Jaunty was used by the public prosecutors to charge the three men, Ukua, Nandana, and Mahinda, with a long list of offenses for murder, theft, and gang rape. Gayan was also charged with gang rape. Even though he didn't physically commit the assault by certain laws in South Asia, um, and Mm -hmm. I believe a law like that also exists in India, If you are present at the time of a rape committed by multiple people, you do nothing to stop it and you are actually part of that gang. Even if you don't physically commit the assault, you will also be charged with it. But then what about Jaunty? Jaunty ran away. 
Ah, but he was there. He okay. ran away, and that's how he separated himself from the incident. Okay. I feel like going back to the scene of multiple murders as they're in the process of happening should he should still he should still be in trouble. I don't know what you could charge him for, right? He's not an accomplice. He didn't do anything. His only crime is not reporting it, right? But if he had reported the murders the first time he saw them, then maybe the following four murders wouldn't have happened. There might be something that he can be charged with that it won't be murder. He might be right. might be like yeah. obstruction of justice. Even like manslaughter. Conspiracy to commit murder. So maybe something like that. I, I don't know how the laws work no. in yeah. uh, India or Sri Lanka for these kind of things. But I think the fact that he was a witness for the prosecutor may have worked in his favor. Yeah, maybe he made a deal. Yeah, they may have given him immunity so that he could tell them everything. Because he didn't really do anything. So they were like, listen, you're you're innocent. Just tell us everything. We won't charge you with it. Let's talk about the evidence and the sentencing. So a lot of actual physical evidence was submitted to the labs, including victims' bloodstains, which were found on the clothes of Ukua at the time of his arrest. These idiots were still wearing the same clothes when they were arrested the next day after the crime. They were wearing the same clothes. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I would want to change, I feel like, if I were covered in blood and mud. Yeah, they're not the smartest guys. We've we've established that so far. Clearly. They found a blood-stained axe in the home of Ukua's grandfather. They found the stolen jewelry, which was recovered off of the accused. And they found fingerprints, which were lifted off of a biscuit tin in the kitchen of the Lalandasa home. These guys had spent the whole day there. They were raiding their food, their kitchen. They were drinking water, eating their food. They were there for hours. And so their fingerprints were found on that biscuit tin. DNA matching technology was used for the first time in Sri Lanka's judicial history to match the victim's blood to the evidence found on the accused culprits. The victim's blood was found on their clothes and on the jewelry. Mm -hmm. And they were able to use DNA matching technology for the first time in Sri Lanka's judicial okay. history, which is why I chose this case. Really. That's cool. Yeah. CSI Colombo. <laughs> yeah. DNA of the semen evidence found was also matched on blood types. So I don't know if, if at that time they were matching exactly like the full genome, the DNA genome, but at least blood type they were able to match. There was no forensic DNA lab in Sri Lanka at that time. So the analysis was carried out by a private lab called Genetech and the Department of Molecular Biology of the Kelania University. Which is really neat. I feel like if a university was leading like DNA technology at that point, um, that's amazing. That was like a crazy day to be a undergrad. <laughs> You're just a professor by day and like a crime fighter by night. It's awesome. Ukua, Nandana and Mahinda were found guilty of all charges and they were sentenced to death by the high court along with 40 years of rigorous imprisonment. So it may have been like running concurrently. 17-year-old Gayan was given 20 years for the gang rape charge. In a twisted case of karma, Ukua was stoned to death by two other death row inmates on November 2018. I'm sure no tears were shed at that loss of human garbage yeah, that day. Nope. 
So when they were sentenced to death, that means lifetime in prison or sentenced to be killed by the state? Uh, they were sentenced to be killed by the state. But of course, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes decades, right? It takes decades. Right. And you said that they also had 40 years. So they had to be in prison for 40 years and then killed. Okay. The sentences probably ran concurrently. So maybe at the end of 40 years, they would have to be killed. A lot of times these cases, the sentences will be commuted to life, life sentences. I don't know if that happened later on. It didn't happen at that time. Yeah. But at least the main guy, Ukua, he was stoned to that. And I'm like, okay, he got his due. He got his due. The Hokandara murder sparked widespread shock and fear across the country, with many calling for swift justice for the victims. The murders were unusual. Not commonplace in Colombo at that time. And it brought forth the evil disposition present in many everyday people. The police wondered why the many neighbors around the home did not call them until 8.30 p.m., even though they probably heard screams coming from the home and saw these suspicious people going in and out of the home all day. A mixture of fear and the bystander effect was probably the cause of inaction. That's just how life works in small towns and villages. There's little trust in police and more fear of the criminals. It kind of gives the impression that this is a place that maybe the law didn't have a lot of interaction, a lot of like they, they weren't used to the law to the extent that these 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 goons thought that they could just walk in and and do whatever they wanted. The kid thought, oh, I could just tell people that this is happening. Like, it's almost like the concept of the law was a new one to this yeah. c- community. I don't want to disparage this community. I don't know anything about it. Who knows? Maybe they were afraid. Maybe there's like a bigger criminal network that they're used to being oppressed by yeah. outlaws. Like, who knows? And not to forget that Sri Lanka went through a decades-long civil war, right? Yeah. Internal civil war. So it's not like people were immune or unknown to violence and aggression and being bullied and being sure. threatened yeah. day and night. So they weren't they weren't new to this. They that was how they knew how to live and survive was to mind your own business. But, it, you know, the way the scene, if you unfold it and you imagine it all happening at the same time, you would almost picture it as like they were trying to inflict a lot of suffering on everyone, having to see their loved ones being hurt and then killed. But actually it was one after the other, beat and kill. And it's it's really mindless. Everything about this crime is mindless. Even the 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 rape as torturous as of an act as it was, they weren't thinking about we're going to torture this person. I think they yeah. were just the whole time thinking about we have a job to do. We want to take their biscuits. We want to take the girl. Oh, these ones are running away. We have to kill them. Like there isn't a lot. It's not that. Um, it's just not thought out. It's very transactional for them. Yeah. Yeah. Which which. Begs the question, like, were these first-time offenders? I don't think so. Yeah, that's the other thing is, like, this is business as usual that they get away with. It's just that this time, maybe they took it too far. Also, the the head goon, because he was dying, he sold out his his people. People 
try to sneak into heaven by like confessing right on their deathbeds. They think yeah. it's all going to be good if I just confess now and like I'm washed free of my sins. Oh, hell no. If there even is such a thing as heaven or hell. Okay, so here's another hole in the story for me. What was the son's name? Nishanka. Nishanka. Like, how did that whole interact? He came home. He gets into this, like, long stick fight with Amardasa. Yeah. But then who kills him? Or did Amardasa finally find a window and pull some, like, kung fu move on him? Or Maybe. It's Maybe. horrifying, but, you know, my brain wants to imagine that he, like, made one last stand. stand. Like, maybe he found his family and he tried to go after the guy or... I mean, he knew exactly who the enemy of his family was. So For if sure. he saw them deceased, dead, laying in the home with apparent violent injuries to their body, he knows exactly. this is personal. And he, he knows who his family has filed a case against. That's Amardasa. He may have ran towards towards Amardasa's home because he was found between the two homes, right? The land yeah. that was between the two homes. He may have ran screaming Amardasa's name. Like, Amardasa, come out of your house. I know you did this. Pretty sure everyone heard all of that. Right. This crime took took place outside the home where everyone can hear. If people called the cops because dogs were barking, they 100% heard all of this going yeah. on. Yeah. So maybe Amardasa came out of the home with the machete. Um, and for a while, Nishanka was able to like fight him with that stick, like beat him away, fight him off, hurt him. But then Amardasa got like one lucky swipe in and that's the end of it. Um, and the other, uh, I think the third daughter, the youngest one that we were talking about, whose body was found outside near the outhouse, I yeah. think maybe uh, she came home after the mother and the other daughter came home from court. Okay. And she probably saw everything and tried to run yeah. towards the back of the house and they caught up with her and killed her right then, then and there. Again, people must have heard the screams. Mm -hmm. But they covered up her body and left her out there. So... Yeah, very violent, but very transactional. It's almost like they were probably used to doing these kind of crimes and killing people left, right, and center. It's just that at this time, they killed a well-to-do family, right? Mm -hmm. He was a successful farmer. He had a lot of land, so it was worth a lot of money, valuable land. I also wonder if it was like a coincidence that they were going to the court that day to complain and the guys didn't realize that. Things had escalated. They came to do the deed to murder them, but they didn't realize that the family has just filed a report, which will like immediately link these guys to the murder. They seem to be really dumb. They don't know how the world works apart from their stupid little moonshine gang so yeah they probably had no idea about how it would link them to it and they would be caught no matter what right and that goes back to the thing of like a more well-to-do family that's gonna actually go to the law whereas people with less who are more vulnerable might not be able to for whatever reason make a complaint like that and be listened to i read one article where the journalist actually interviewed these three guys the three criminals mm -hmm. um while they were in jail his opinion was that Ukua had diminished intelligence, okay. lower intelligence. Yeah. So maybe it's all the moonshine. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that pickles your brain way faster <gasps> than normal alcohol. 
Or maybe he just was always like that and that's why he was easy to manipulate and turn into just a violent criminal that won't question you, right? You mm -hmm. give him an order and he's going to go do it. He's not going to think about it. Yeah. Well, that was a really sad story, very violent, but also a beacon in the judicial history of Sri Lanka's crime fighting <laughs> because they used DNA technology, DNA matching for the first time in this case. So I thought it was important to cover. Something about it really horrifies me extra today. Maybe it's just because I've been in zombie mode or whatever, but it's also nice to have a like closed and shut, mm. clean wrap up. Yeah. Got him. Got him. Sent him to jail. For once, it's not unsolved, unresolved, and someone's missing. Well, well, well. Uh -oh. <laughs> I do want to mention something that may spoil your mood again, Alex. No! Uh, Guyan is out in the wild. He's out. He's free. Oh, right. Because he only got 20 years. He got 20 years, and he was let out early, as usual. Wonder what he's like. If anyone lives in Sri Lanka and knows a Guyan Suranga, stay away from this guy, because he's clearly doesn't have the capacity to make good decisions. Well, he's not 17 anymore. Maybe he, like, gained some... One can hope. Yeah. Let's One hope. can hope he Let's gained hope. some sanity and some yeah. humility. And what about Jaunty? <laughs> Where's Jaunty? Uh, I don't know where our, our Buddha Award winner is. Jaunty <laughs> probably still lives in Sri Lanka and has his own Jaunty family hanging on to other families. Who knows? Whatever. At least he was useful yeah. to the case yeah i mean it's sad that he had to experience all of this he just kept bad company i guess he i mean he truly really didn't know know what was going on before he went there and he didn't have good judgment after i guess it could have been shock it could have been shock you don't know how to deal with something if you haven't seen it before or it could be he has seen it before and he doesn't care mm -hmm. either of the two we will never know. Hopefully it's the latter. Like he was in shock and just didn't know how to behave. Or he was afraid of Amardasa, right? If the village people know he's a Gunda type, you don't want to mess with them. So yeah, Jaunty, I hope he mended his ways. Um, Are you ready for Bollywood Kwana? Yes. What you got? So I have two recommendations today. One is a movie I saw on Netflix. The theme, I mean, it's just in general, like crime fighting, thriller movies. That's the theme, really. Very generic. But <laughs> this is such a good movie. It's called Irrata. Irrata, oh. which is a Malayalam language police procedural film. The word Irrata or Irrata means twin. And this movie is about a bunch of twins. Okay. Um, very, like, <gasps> typical one is good one is bad evil villain whatever you want to call a it. bunch of them though what <laughs> no 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 just one pair of twins okay this is actually a really good movie very unusual like the story is unique and it is a hard-hitting movie like in the end the there's a bit of a plot twist and it's it's a little sad but worth watching this movie is really good uh, both the brothers do end up becoming policemen however one is successful and the other isn't so much he's at a lower rank okay he's the bad cop he's the bad cop you know the typical guy who's taking bribes and bullying people and actually committing crimes himself okay and the other one is a good cop good at his job he gets promoted and he kind of shields his brother from 
the consequences of his actions, really, because he feels guilty about the way they were brought up. Like, he feels like he didn't protect him enough as a kid. So now he's going to protect him as an adult, although he's doing crimes himself. Yeah. And that kind of catches up with both of them in the end when the evil brother gets murdered in the police station. Oh, spoiler alert! That's how the movie starts. The oh, cop gets okay. killed inside the police station. Interesting. And they interview all of these other cops who are inside trying to find what went on, what was the story, uh, blah, blah, okay. blah, blah, blah. It's really well made. I like this format of like from the the end back to the beginning. And the other recommendation I have is actually a series called Abhay. Abhay means fearless. And that's the name of this cop, super cop who's out there running, catching serial killers and all kinds of crazy people in the city. It's a really good show. Like the initial, like the first two seasons are so good. They have like these devious criminals and serial killers that they've come up with. And this guy has to catch them. I really enjoyed that show. It was so good. Um, So I just wanted to recommend it. Go watch it. Abhay. I like that name. Fearless. Yeah, Fearless. Abhay. And the guy who plays Abhay is really, really cute. Oh, hello, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Hot guy. <laughs> and really good at acting. So he's like all around. All nice. Around. So go watch the show. It's called Abhay. It's worth watching. I watch it on Z5. That's where I found it. Cool, cool, cool. That's it for Bollywood Kuana. I just want to do a quick review review. We got some nice reviews. I don't know if I've read this one Whoa, out. Whoa, cool. Um, this one says, great information. Love seeing podcasts shedding light on other parts of the world. Lots of people love hearing about true crime. And it's also important to get acquainted with cases all over the world. Great job. Thank this you. This is from Jessica from the Asian Madness podcast. We've done promo swaps with them. We love you, Jessica. Thank you so much for giving us this sweet review. We love your podcast, Asian Madness. Go listen to it, y'all. Thank you. She covers cases, like twisted cases from all over Asia. She's done a few cases from India, too. She's done the Nirbhaya case, which I, I still have. I, I don't have the heart to cover just yet. She's done a great job. Go listen to that. So I looked at our stats lately, and we've got. 55,000 total downloads. Thank Whoa. you so much. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening That's and crazy. sharing with your friends. Yeah, we like, I, I didn't even know if we would get more than 100 listens when we started because I was like, who's going to listen to us? We're not trained in this. We have no experience in radio or like making a show or even talking. Who knows yeah. how it's going to do? <laughs> not so. even good at talking in real life, I feel like. <laughs> I avoid talking to people in real life. We we save it for the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, don't call me. I hate talking on the phone. I don't want to go out and meet people. Please. <laughs> you know, I like just sitting in my basement and talking to Alex about murder. That's all I can <laughs> good at. <laughs> oh. Thank you, everyone, for giving us a chance. Yeah, that's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah, we're truly humbled and we hope you continue to support us. Uh, and the best way you can do that is by writing us a review. Give us a rating on Spotify. It's so easy. Open your app. Just give us five stars. And Spotify now has a new feature where you can actually ask questions and 
put comments on each episode. I find that so cool. I'll try to answer them if you have any questions for me. If you put questions out on Spotify, I'll try to answer them. So go ahead. Go ahead. Get clicking. Yeah, get typing. That's awesome. uh, yeah. So rate us, review us, and share us with anyone and everyone you know. Just send it. Just like spam people in your contact list and be like, here you go. Listen to this. <laughs> All right, so we'll catch you again in another episode of Crimes from the East, your Desi True Crime podcast with a little masala, masala. and spice. spice. Bye. Bye. Namaste. Namaste.